Turn with me in your Bibles to Psalm 120. This song we have song we haven't done in a while, but I was moved to do it in part because of our pastor's preaching. You might say, "What does Christian liberty have to do with this psalm?" Only a little bit at the end, but I'm going to make this psalm as practical for us as possible. It's a song of degrees. We don't know what it means when the when it's called that. We don't know if the it was sung by the priests on the steps of the temple or by the pilgrims who are going to the temple. People don't know. We don't know who wrote it. And in that and all that said, it doesn't matter. What matters is what's in here. In my distress I cried unto the Lord, and he heard me. Deliver my soul, O Lord, from lying lips and from a deceitful tongue. What shall be given unto thee? Or what shall be done unto thee, thou false tongue? Sharp arrows of the mighty with coals of juniper. Woe is me that I sojourn in Mesech, that I dwell in the tents of Kedar. My soul hath long dwelt with him that hateth peace. I am for peace, but when I speak, they are for war. Now divide up the psalm. The first two verses are prayer unto God for deliverance. The speaker is in distress. He's in distress not from necessarily a physical threat, but from people lying about him. Lying can do great damage to people. It can cost people lives, cost people's reputation, cost people money. It was strongly condemned both in the Old and New Testaments. Verse 3, what shall be given unto thee? What shall be done unto thee, thou false tongue? What will be a good punishment? Sharp arrows of the mighty with coals of juniper. Arrows were a powerful weapon in those days. Israel did not have many archers. David, after Saul was killed by archers, taught Israel the use of the bow and arrow. So Israel would know how to defend themselves. Archers strike from a distance, not like others who fought with the sword in close. And lies can do damage to people away from away from those those who are speaking. Yes. Juniper. Juniper burns with a powerful flame and was often used for fires in those days. And that's appropriate. In the book of James, we hear that the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. It defileth the whole body and setteth on fire the course of nature and is set on fire of hell. Yes. The next verse is a little, is a little unique. Mesech. They could have been Scythians or another tribe to the north of Israel. Kedar was in Arabia to the south of Israel. According to Isaiah, they were known for their archers. Does this mean that the person in question was dwelling among them? Commentators say so, and that may be the case. If this represents the world and the fierce people in it, then it would be only fitting. But there's another way you can read it. Sometimes people of God had to flee from their own people and dwell among fierce nations. David in the Philistines, when he was hunted by Saul. Elijah, 
among the people of Zidon. Yes. When Ahab was chasing after him. Right. This could this could be just a metaphor. Yes. Psalms are works of poetry, and poetry does not have to be taken literally in the Bible or other places. This could be fierce people in general, whether they be outside or even inside the congregation. My soul hath long dwelt with him that he hath peace. We know David had the sons of Zeruiah and how the problems they caused for them. David had Joab of, of them who killed Abner and killed Absalom. And David mourned those. In the book of Luke, chapter 9, Jesus was heading to Jerusalem. And the Samaritans wouldn't receive him because they knew he was heading to Jerusalem. He didn't have any business there. James and John, the sons of thunder, all decided to say, Lord, without that we should call down fire from heaven as Elias did? But he turned and rebuked them and said, Ye know not what manner of spirit ye are of. For the Son of Man has not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. I am for peace, but when I speak, they are for war. Now, now, we get to the part that's the most important, how we can apply it. Do we tell the truth about people in the congregation, outside the congregation, even our enemies? Ephesians 4.25 says, Wherefore, putting away lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor. For we are members one of another. And as we all know from the Bible, our neighbor is anyone we come in contact with. doesn't matter who they are. They could be an atheist. But an atheist stands before God on what they've done, not what we think they've done. Do we make peace? Do we speak peace? Do we work peace? James 3.18 says, And the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace of them that make peace. We want to fight. Many of us here come from various European stocks. Norman, Saxon, Teuton. All those were well known as warlike people, much though we probably want to forget it. So any condemnation of any pagan warrior cultures, be they Ishmaelites or Scythians or Philistines or Assyrians, we could be face that same condemnation as well. Right. And what do we do? Do we seek to make peace with in our congregation, right. in our families, yes, among among neighbors, in our country? Right. This is slightly out of context, but Pastor Crosby covered a verse not long ago in Romans 14 in the discussion on liberty. And in liberty, do we seek to uphold others' liberty? Do we seek to let them practice it freely? This verse, Romans 14, 19, fits both with liberty and with this psalm. Let's not tear down each other through lies. Let's not seek for strife. Let us therefore follow after the things which make for peace and things with what may edify another. 